Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. We don't feel that that's who we are. We're, we don't feel that we're an offensive, you know, team. We, we feel that we are um, uh, well-rounded, uh, you know, uh, two-way hockey team. We're not, we, we don't want to get into track meets. We don't want to get into a rush game. That's, that's not who we are. We talk about it all the time, is grit before skill. And if we do that, um, then our skill will show. But if we try to do it the other way, um, the skill doesn't come up. Hey, Dean Everson, welcome in, Mackie and Judd. So you say to yourself, well, who, wh- where's Phil? What happened to Phil? What's going on? Why is just Judd and Declan? Yeah, he is, uh, he is taking care of some other company-related business. Top secret, not in state. Um, Would you call it a healthy scratch or a maintenance day? uh, No, it's not maintenance because he's actually working. Right. So a maintenance day, you're not working. I would call it, I would call it a healthy scratch. Healthy scratch. I would personally, and and if you're an important person with the company, turn off the podcast or skip this part. Yeah. I would personally call it an unnecessary distraction. Oh wow. But that's to me and you. All right. Well, we'll have to address the team, I think. I mean, I don't, after th- that. you know what? This is all of, you know, I'm tired of the, this is very, very suits like to me this day. Oh, yeah. You know, because oh. he's taking care of other business. Yeah. I mean, not our business. No. Yeah. Not, you know, the viewer, no, I, your business. Right. No, I, I, like, I'm, this I'm, is, I'm with you. This is all, this is very suits like. Yeah. Hefty buyouts could be coming. And then I, we don't want to be paying the piper for five years on that. So I think we need to call a a Mackey and Judd um, players only oh, meeting behind closed doors. I think we need to shut the door, and yeah. I think we need to address exactly why Phil is not here today. So anyway, Phil's not here today. <laughs> I am here, Zolgad, Declan Goff, executive producing, but also stepping into very much right now the co-hosting role. And uh, it's Monday, so it is time for, let's see, what do we do on Mondays? Mm, I don't ordinarily do this part. Oh, statements? Statements, is that correct? That's right. All right. As you can see, if you are uh, consuming the show on YouTube right now, we are going to start with, and it's not Judd's Hockey Show, but it's the next best thing. Right. Wild statements. All right? So I'll start you off, Declan. Okay, hit me. Hit me. My statement. That's more like it. That's my statement. That's that was more my statement. Like it. I took your statement. That was my statement. I took your statement. There's more dissension. Closed door meeting now. <laughs> Closed door meeting. Turn off the mics. We we got to meet. That's more like it. Last night, the Wild uh, uh, kicks the take your pick of adjectives 
out of the Edmonton Oilers in Edmonton, 7-3 after what was an extremely, I thought, disappointing performance and loss, a 6-2 loss on uh, Friday night to a very good Florida Panthers team. Now, now, I'm going to parse this apart just a little bit. Okay. The Oilers' goaltending oh. and play last night oh. was atrocious. They have played, you know, like all teams now, a ton of games. So, they did not play well. I get that. But... But in the Wilds' defense for why this still was an impressive win, uh, since Dave Tippett was fired and a guy by the name of Jay Woodcroft took over as the interim coach in Edmonton, they were 5-0. and So, like, this is, this is their first loss with the new coach. This was impressive. That's more like it. Welcome back, 2021-22 Wild, Declan Goff. Yeah, you literally verbatim. Verbatim on my prep sheet. Now that's more like it. That was going to oh, be my no, initial but I didn't statement. Have the now. Yeah, I, you, that's right. I had the now. Go Huskies. I, I, the I had the Huskies. Now, comma, now, that's now, more like it. That's yeah. more like it. Clean that up. All right. They dropped back-to-back games, like you said, to the Panthers and Jets. Two games in which the Wild scored first in those games. And the data usually says you score first. Typically, you win more hockey games. The Wild scored first in that Jets game. They scored first uh, in that Panthers game. And both times, Minnesota still ended up falling. But they got back on track. That 7-3 ass-kicking over the Edmonton Oilers. Also, I'll give you I'll just give you a new statement in my statement. Embrace the Kevin Fiala experience. Because last night, my number one guy, Kevin Fiala, two goals and assists, three points, he was all over the ice. Very very strong game from 22 Kevin Fiala. But in those two losses to Winnipeg and to Florida, a negative 6 on the ice in those two games, no points. Got a little exposed. Got a little caught oh, yeah. a couple times. Yeah, he's going to. But He's a streaky player, and what you saw last night against Edmonton, that that's who Kevin Fiala is, man. Like I, I thought the last two games kind of reminded me previously of this one, of who he was in those in those first, what, 20 games of the season when he was super snake-bitten, finding post and getting beat and just turning pucks over, but then he comes back and he has a dynamic performance like he does against the Edmonton Oilers, and you see, oh, wow, this is why this guy ha- deserves a big payday. This is why you'd want to try to keep these guys because they're natural goal scorers. So my statement to you would also be embrace the Kevin Fiala experience. I feel that I do. I feel that I've embraced that for for a long time now. Because like you, you've been on the Fiala train for conducting a long, long time. Yep. And I feel like I have not pushed back much because he is who he is, and it's not going to change. And when he's at his best, especially now with Boldy, he's fantastic. Boldy. Um, the thing about Friday, though, was, Dex, if I was to go through a list of pro- of problems I saw, yeah, and, you know, keep in mind, the, the Panthers are really good. So that's a really good, I mean, that was a, a good test. And what really frustrated me about that entire game was the Wild, unlike the game in Florida where they got beat and pretty, I thought, soundly beat by the Panthers, in this game, they got off to a great start. Like, their start, on Friday it was fantastic. They looked great. They scored the first goal and they didn't and they didn't just score th- that goal on some like fluky shot. They were playing, they were skating and physically engaged with the Panthers. Um Spurgeon sets up Kaprizov for just a great goal and then the Panthers come back and score and everything changed. It's like, "What? Why is this like you're too good for it to change on one goal?" But if I was to put together a blame list Mm-hmm. Fiala in that game Fiala. would be way down that list because the blame list included, and he didn't cost them them 
the game, but as we talked about, I think it was on Saturday's Judd Hockey Show, uh, Cam Talbot did not play well no. at, at all. Uh, Bob made some spectacular saves. I would say Cam in that game, zero spectacular saves. Um, Jordy Ben, who fortunately got scratched last night, yeah. was awful. John Merrill made a pass that cost the Wild their first goal. Now, he didn't get help from teammates, but that was still an irresponsible bad pass against a good team. The Hartman line was not good. The the Hartman line, I I don't think the Fiala line, Goudreau and Boldy, I don't think that that line was their worst line. They didn't do a lot, and Kaprizov did score on a power play, but the Hartman line, 5-on-5, was terrible. So so to defend your guy a bit, if I was to do a, a pie chart of blame for that loss to the Panthers, at best, he would have got a small slice. A lot more guys uh, would have, to me, been given significant chunks of responsibility before I ever got to 22. Yeah. I I, I think when you, when you look at what Fiala brings, this is where... Garen faces a very tough decision on his future because he's now been a basically a point for game player over the last two months and he's scoring big time goals, but then he can have kind of those frustrating games, which you saw against Florida and against Winnipeg. But you also that that's who he is. He's a dynamic forward. And he's going to make those mistakes. Yeah, it's going to be a big, big payday, big payday big from payday. somebody when when he gets his next contract, um, at least the contract that might come up if he becomes a uh, UFA after 2022-23. Uh, all right, here's my next wild-related statement, Declan Goff. Don't take mine this time. I don't think I am. I don't think I'm going to. Okay. In the doghouse. Oh. Welcome. Come on down, Nico Sturm. Oh. <laughs> Nico Sturm, a healthy scratch last night, and unfortunately for him, um, yeah, going. So, so Bukestead came back. So the line was Duhame on the left wing. Yep. Um, Dewar was the center. Phenomenal. He was. Bukestead on the right wing, and that line accounted for two goals and was a combined plus seven in the win. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nico Sturm might struggle to get back in. Now, the one thing he's got going for him is this. He is, I think, statistically still, percentage-wise, their best face-off guy. Like, he's been on for crucial. He, he's he been on for draws this year that you ordinarily would like to throw out your top line guy for. Yeah. Uh, but I think at least the last time I looked, and the last time I looked as a team at the Wild was 23rd in the league in faceoff win percentage, which is not great. And they definitely, I think they lost, I think it was 64% to 36% on draws last night. But the one thing that might get Sturm back in is his ability on draws. But... A guy that um, a year ago we talked about extensively at, at that time, possibly to move up to a third or second line role, found himself eating popcorn in the press box in Edmonton last night. Yeah. He is a nice player. I think you and I maybe had, not that we didn't uh, ask too much more of him. We wanted to see if there was more in the tank from him. I think we've kind of now seen who he is, and that's, about, that's just a fourth line guy. And yeah, he's won 51% of his draws this year, which is solid. It's above 50%, but the Wild in general are not a good face-off team. But yep, I, I think, you know, who it, Sturm has logged now 100 games in his NHL career, all with the Wild. Um, I think it's going to be tough for him probably to get back in the lineup until there's another injury 
or until just there's just ineffectiveness, which happens all the time in hockey. Players are or coaches are always trying to shake up that roster to a uh, to a degree. I will say, if someone's in the doghouse and Nico Sturm, uh, I'm glad this guy's out of the house, and that's Victor Rask. And well, he's, I, been, he's been booted from the and house. I, yeah. I don't I don't feel bad that Victor Rask, a veteran, has to go play in Iowa. I don't feel bad about that. You should. I don't. I don't feel bad that that has happened. Uh, I, he apparently took the news hard. Took it real hard. And look, does, does he not know he's slow? He, he has to know that. And he's got his money. He's had his couple. He's had more than his ample chances to stay in the lineup, and he hasn't. Yeah. And this team is better without him. Yes. So if he's taking that hard, look, I get that. But if you don't want to report to Iowa, Victor, then don't report. Yeah. Don't mull the decision. Just don't report Well, he's then. going to, I guess, but he was going to take a few days to get oh, his yeah. things in order. I don't oh, know. The, but the thing Breaking with Victor is this. You know, Bill Guerin, I am positive, has made calls, right? Hey, do you want Rask? And he must be being told across the board, no, no. I don't. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't feel bad for a, a guy. I, You know, in retrospect, I think that as we begin to close the book a bit on what worked and what didn't, you know, Paul Fenton, in retrospect, made some really good moves. Yeah. The Fiala trade, I still think, as much as people might still like Granlund, was a steal. Grandland. Like, that's a great trade. Yeah. And Granlund's a good player. But Kevin Fiala is an explosive player. Um, as much as the first year looked like a stupid move, and I still think the contract was excessive, the Zuccarello signing... Oh, I get, I'll, I'll get to that. Looks damn good, right? Yep, yep I'll get to um, that. The Coil trade wasn't a good trade. But I still agree with getting him out. Yeah, it wasn't a. I wouldn't say it's a bad trade. Well, Den, you got Denato, got Denato and a third and round pick, which I think turned in. Was it Dewar? I, that that third round or fourth round pick. I turned have to look in at that. Someone. I don't know that, but I'm just I'm just saying Coyle is a contributing factor for the Bruins. Donato is now on his uh, third team. If you include his going from Boston to Minnesota to San Jose to Seattle, but um. The Rask trade is a disaster. It is a disaster. Now, but again, I I agreed with Nino was part of that room that had to go. Um, but yeah, if anybody feels bad for Victor Rask, I have one question. Why? Yeah, I agree. He got, you're exactly right. He got a multitude of chances. A multitude of chances. He's not quick enough to keep up with the pace mm-hmm. that this team enough. plays. It's just that simple. So anyway, what's your next statement? All right, my next statement. You, you teased at it a little bit. My statement is, Matt Zuccarello is worth it. Matt Zuccarello, at the time, Paul Fenton, one of his last acts as wild general manager, signed Zuccarello to an ironclad five-year, no-movement clause contract. And we all thought, what the hell are you thinking, Paul Fenton? Signing a 32-year-old player who is a nice player in New York, a very solid Role player, top line guy, and a fan favorite in New York. Huge locker room guy. Huge locker room guy. And I've heard behind the scenes can be cantankerous, not because he's bad in the locker room, just because he wants to protect what's inside that locker room. His teammates like him. He doesn't he doesn't like the media here, but what's sort of weird is he was super popular in New York. In New York. Yeah. Figure that one out. But I also okay, my my deductions is that he kind of senses the there's probably some fakeness sometimes to Minnesota nice and Minnesota culture. So I actually, I, I kind of applaud him for that. But after a rocky first season with Minnesota, where I cursed him, I, I Matthew yeah. Collar helped me it was terrible. pen this great 
article on Matt Zuccarello's nice, solid 40-game start to the season, and after that he hit the absolute tank, mm-hmm. uh, and then the COVID paused the season, he comes back in the bubble, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in the last 83 games for Matt Zuccarello, so dating also back to last season, 28 goals, 59 assists, 87 points, 24 points on the power play, Yep, playing 17-plus minutes a night. He basically gets to be the guy he was in New York with an even better player in Kirill Kaprizov. I believe he was feeding Chris Kreider a lot um, when he was in New York. And, and and he developed a really solid chemistry on the top line with the Rangers towards the end of their dominance with, with Lundqvist there in net. But in general, Zuccarello has now awoken. I mean, he's going to break his career high for points potentially by the end of the month. Yep, He has 51 points. I believe his career high is, is 60 with New York. He's going to shatter that. Yep. He's going to absolutely shatter that. So, Matt Zuccarello, you are worth it. Been a hell of an addition for the Wild this season. That no-move clause kills me still. But does, anyway, um, so, the comeback to what you just said will be, well, yeah, Declan, but he's playing with Kaprizov. I will say this. The chemistry between those two is special. So, like, um, Kaprizov is a marvelous talent. So, I am not downgrading, denigrating his talent one bit, but Zuccarello and him fit together like pieces of a puzzle, right? Yes. So, so you can say, well, he gets to play with Kaprizov. I would say not everybody can feed off and work with a guy like Kaprizov like Matt's does. Uh, I mean, so different positions, but look when they put Eck there, it didn't exactly. fit. It didn't fit, and that yep. and that doesn't mean that Eck is a bad player by any means. Eck's a very important role player for the Wild, uh, but. But I agree. If if you just watch them play together, you can absolutely see the chemistry between the two on the ice. And and in general, those two have been a godsend on the top line. No matter kind of Ryan Hartman's kind of honestly found his good home there and, and good for him to find and kind of help wake up that entire line. But Zuccarello and Kaprizov this year have insane chemistry. And Zuccarello's got that long twig, man. I mean, he's got that extra extra long oh, stick. You know, hockey. And, like uh, and he's been able to, to do a lot. And, and even just kind of pulling up what they've been able to do uh, on the ice this season together. And even going back to last season, Kaprizov and Zuccarello just continue to outpace teams and outchance teams and score more goals than they're allowing. They, they are two very dynamic players when together on the ice. Absolutely. And, the, you know, if, if you look at this, um, Kaprizov and Mats and Boldy and Fiala have special connections. It yeah. just works. It just works. And I would argue that you could not just transplant them around and find that type of, of success on a consistent basis. And just think about how different Kevin was before Boldy got here. Yeah. Just think about like he would try and create and, and he would still do some good things. But his life and his game look so much smoother and easier now. Yeah. Kirill and Zuccarello on the ice together, a plus 50. Wow. They have, they're, they're 97 yeah. goals for 47 goals against since they were put Paul together Fenton, last baby. Season. Paul, Paul Fenton. Fenton and Gerson Rosas. Executives Where'd you of go? the year. Where did you go? All right. Here's my next statement. Let him play. Let him play is my statement. And I am talking about Kalen Addison. Oh. Who now needs to play? I, we we politicked for this last time, and we're told Jordy Ben is playing incredibly well. You guys don't see. You guys don't see what we see. Jordy Ben needs to play. Kalen, you're going back down to Des Moines. All right. Jordy Ben of late has been terrible, or had been. Friday terrible. Jets game terrible. Kalen 
recalled, goes on the trip, slots in with uh, with Merrill last night. So we get Goligoski now repaired with Spurgeon. Spurgeon. We've got with Dumba out. We've got what Brodeen. Rhodes. And did he play with Kulikov? And then Merrill played with Addison. And guess what? All of a sudden, that decor looked a little smoother, didn't it? Yeah. Looked a little bit more, looked a little bit less frantic. Uh, I believe it was in the third period of the Panthers game. They finally started to bench Ben at, at times. And I think they were throwing Spurgeon back out there in the third period on Friday with Brodeen. But the point being is... Let's be done with this nonsense of, well, you don't understand the veteran presence that Jordy <laughs> Madden brings. Kalen Addison is going to make mistakes. But, number one, I believe he is prepared to play here. I really do believe that. And, number two, it's a, it's also part of the Rask thing. Jordy Ben can't play at pace. Merrill can. I, I don't think by a lot, but I think he can. Kulikov definitely can, right? But when you're going to play... Like the Wild wants to play, which we all think is fabulous. Like it is way, I am not advocating for trapping or that BS crap, right? But when you're going to play the style that they're going to play, the, the, the reality is the doers, Addison's fit in. And so let him play until Dumba is back. I do believe that you have found pairings that are going to look a lot more fluid and smooth and that... I, you know, the last week or so before Sunday's game, Jordy Ben was actively costing you, and he was on the top pairing on Friday. Come on, Dina. Dina, I love you, and you've done a great job. But Jordy Ben on the top pairing? Uh-uh. Yeah. Sorry. And, look, Jordy Ben was a nice soldier for a little bit there. He When he got called in earlier this season, he played, you know, okay. He wasn't it stabilized wasn't a things, Declan. You bite your tongue. Yeah, he was. He is a veteran presence. Veteran he, presence. He was all right. I will say, you, got that. you know, I, I like this to, uh, to kind of piggyback off your saying uh, a statement of letting them play. Um, I've liked the carousel that they've rolled with with Talbot and Cockett not having to get burnt out. But I think the tides are starting to turn a little bit towards trusting Capo. I, I, I think as as we get closer here, and this team has typically still gone to the veteran and Cam Talbot. I understand why they do that. But I think Capo is starting to turn that in another direction. Um, Capo Kakadin was solid last night, made 30 saves, and in general I think has kind of bounced back after a very rocky uh, rookie season last year. And he's still technically a rookie. I don't understand how the hell that works. It, yeah. It, it, ho- it, another reason why hockey is really weird. I don't understand how he can still classify as a rookie. But he gets wins, and in general he's just he's made significant improvements across the board. I mean, this year... An even strength situation. He has a 927 save percentage, so five on five. He's been damn good. On the power play, his save percentage has increased. Um, his high danger numbers, he's still allowing he's still allowing goals in high danger areas, which are, look, that's hard to stop. There's a reason they're called high danger chances. But in general, I think the tides are starting to turn a little bit, and I can see why this team ends up maybe trusting Capo Kakinen in the long term more than they do Cam Talbot. Now, we had the same exact conversation during a stretch where Talbot was, I believe, hurt last year. And Capo, there was like a 10-game. Yeah. He, he won like 10 consecutive starts. And we had this exact conversation. I believe I believe the, the headline was at that time, if the playoffs started now, you ride with Capo. And then Talbot came back, and Capo still played, and he tailed off. So one 
I want to see if Capo can continue this. Um, but you know what? Heck, that leads to my next oh, look at statement. This. I'm gonna bring look it. I'm, I'm gonna bring it from from Judd's hockey show on Saturday to the Mackie and Judd platform right now. My statement is this: Let the let the flower thrive. Let the flower grow. As discussed on JHS on Saturday, the Wild might want to give consideration, and this is this was thrown out by us, but it also has been thrown out by greater hockey minds than ours. Oh, yes. They might want to call up the Blackhawks and at least make an inquiry on, and I know he's old, 37-year-old goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury, the guy that in seven games with the Golden Knights last year beat you in the first round. Because, Declan, as you have, and I credit you completely for this, for a long time have said, Cam Talbot's traditional stats and and also advanced stats have not been kind. The Wild, Garen, Everson, us have been like, yeah, but he makes key saves at big times. Um, the Florida game scared me. The Jets game scared me. And if if it was a sample size of two games, I'd say, yeah, but who cares? It's, it's two games. But to go back track on what you have said is it's not two games. It's sort of been a lot of us, including especially me, ignoring the stats. And at times, we probably put too much weight in stats. But at times, we can't ignore them. Um, I don't know that I could go into a playoff series in 2022 with the goals that the Wild should have, Declan, mm-hmm. and trust Capo. Therefore, I think... And we are right now one month out exactly, today, a month from now, March 21st, 3 o'clock, I believe, or 2 o'clock Central, the trade deadline will hit that you might want to explore upping your goaltending because I don't know if we can continue to bury our head in the sand when it comes to Cam Talbot. Yeah, this is this is interesting because I, I think Marc-Andre Fleur would be awesome. I, I Some really people think... hate this, too. Oh, yeah. I've gotten... Some We've got some pushback. I've, I've I've seen that as well. And look, Flurry is he is he at his peak? What he was even in Vegas? No, I, I don't think he's the same goalie. But he's a veteran, and he's someone that has been there and done that before. And I have more trust of what Mark Andre Flurry has done than the the question marks of what Capo Kakinen is still providing. Now the 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 problem is. Does Chicago want to trade him in the division, which I don't think they care about, but let's just explore that. Let's let's parse that out. What do they want back? Because if they trade him to Edmonton, they probably wouldn't be asking for as much. Like See, Edmonton's going to come and calling for him because they need him. Yes, yes. Edmonton, Washington. Who else did I, I float out there? Um, Edmonton is in probably. Washington is in. Oh, I saw. I saw potentially. Uh, Pittsburgh. Now that they've yeah, now Jari's been great, but behind him, I, I think the thought in Pittsburgh is bring him back. And if if Jari struggles in the playoffs or gets hurt, um, that that the flower could step in for him. But here's my thought, Dex. I don't think the asking price from a division rival for Flurry is going to be that that much more because he is a true rental. So like he's not going to oh you know with. The next three years of the cap hell that the Wild's about to go into, I don't think that he's going to come back here. So, like, this would be almost certainly a true rental for the rest of the season and playoffs. Um, 
Now, what would they want? My guess is they would want Capo back, not Talbot, Capo. Uh, they would want probably a high draft pick. Now, I don't know if that's a first-round pick or a second-round pick. And if they don't get a high draft pick, a prospect. I don't think you're going to give them much more than that, though, for a guy who is Flurry's age, expiring contract, and is probably going to be done here after after uh, the playoffs conclude. So my guess is it's doable. The question is, do you think that he could step in and start and be successful in a playoff run? And I just know that I have now become actively concerned about Talbot, and I don't know that it's fair to start the playoffs and tell Capo because the expectations are high now. Like, this is not a let's make a cute run. Like, this is the next three years are difficult. I believe they the wild at the salary at the deadline this year cap wise are going to spike up to the ability to add as much as 13 million. Like that's a fairly big number. That's not going to be the case for the next 3 years. So we're talking about expectations of a playoff run. That's why I do think that if it's not the flower you at least have to give some thought in the back of your mind a month from now to saying do we need to solidify our goaltending. It would be a damn shame to see this season go down the drain because of bad goals. I agree. And I just, you can't waste this opportunity because you don't know what's guaranteed. And in general, Marc-Andre Fleury will provide you some stability. And Fleury has, you know, he's, he helped the Penguins to a cup in 2017. Murray was the guy to clinch the cup in game six against the Predators. But he's still, but they, they kind of used a flip flop system. Like both Murray and Fleury played almost a split amount of games into that into that season. Because I got some pushback. Well, he really only won Pittsburgh one Stanley Cup, even though he's been to like four. Right. But he also helped Vegas get there. I mean, look, look, that might be the model. Like Vegas, who took him as like the number one pick in their expansion draft, and put all these misfits together, and, and Vegas makes this miraculous run to the Cup in their first year. They do not get there without Fleury. Yes. And and. This is not the same as Vegas, obviously, but this is a new wild team. And I think someone like Fleury coming into this room, that's where I think Garen has more trust that Marc-Andre Fleury, if you put him into the locker room, would add even more value than what Claude Giroux or any forward name who it is to that locker room. Marc-Andre Fleury is not going to be a negative impact on a room. No, it'd be great. And and the price, not the same. There's no way. There's no way. What do you think? Is a second or a third round pick? I would say Kakanen and a high draft pick or a good but not great prospect. Do you think they could even? Do you think they could even give up Talbot? Do you think if Chicago could be like, look, we just need someone here, and, and yeah, Talbot's Cop- under contract? But I'd rather season. have Koppel because yeah. then he's young. Like if I've got Talbot, Chicago's still trying to get back up the mountain. I'd prefer a young guy who I think is good as opposed to an old guy where I know I know what he can do and more importantly can't do. Sure. Um but I'm just saying so so uh Garrett won a cup with Flurry as a player when he got traded uh, to Pittsburgh. And then I think he saw him or or he they won two more cups when Garen was assistant GM/executive. Yeah. Yep. I'm just, I just, I'm putting it out there now, and this is not Cam Talbot hate, okay? This is not hate. But I'm putting it out there right now that I think the fact that we are sleeping on the goaltending might be wrong. And just to, 
be very clear here. If Marc-Andre Fleury comes here and the Wild goes on a playoff run and makes the finals and loses, I'm not going to say, well, see, what the hell? he lost the finals. <laughs> see, I knew I knew Billy Garen shouldn't make that trade. What were you thinking, Billy? Why'd you do that? So my point is I want a goaltender who gives you the best chance at a playoff run. Yep. I'm not assuring a Stanley Cup. I don't, you can't know that. But what I would like is, I, the last thing I want in the world for this team, because they've worked their asses off, okay? And they're good. The last thing I want is to see in the first round, Bennington or Huso for the Blues stand on his ever-loving head, and Talbot allows some questionable goals, okay? That's the last thing. You know as well as I do, when you get to the playoffs, good goaltending, don't cut it. You need at times great goaltending. Yeah. And and I'm tired, and, you know, it would be really disappointing if you took the Blues to seven games and said, well, Talbot was pretty good, not bad. But Bennington was great, right? Sick of that. Sick of that crap. I want somebody here who I think gives me a, a shot. And, and your locker room point about Flurry is spot on. He is beloved in this league. He is beloved. And, and anybody that you trade for who's going to take on an important role, Declan, anybody, has to be considered an upgrade both as a player and, and a person who can immediately step in with credibility. Yeah. Flurry's got that. He does. Flurry's got that. That's why I don't want to, you know, don't go get, oh, we got a goaltender who might help us. No, no, no. The wor- You screw with chemistry by basically saying, we think that this guy's good. Yeah, this guy's going to help us, I think. And players are like, really? Yeah. If, if you are going to demote Goudreau, and say, you know what, Frederick, great job, but we got this guy. It can't be, to use my favorite term, a slappy. Yeah. And the rest of the room's like, what? Freddie lost his job to this guy? It's got to be a, oh, it's, it's Claude Giroux. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I get that. Um, can I give you one more? Sure. Because this is... Yeah, no, no, no. This is, yes, also um, related to the wild. And the statement is just this. God bless Dean. Did you see his entire quote about the fact that it appears that there, not specifically, but it appears that there might have been some chirping a little bit internally about the fact that he pulled Talbot early on Friday. He pulled him with like 10.30 left on on a power play, and they immediately scored 10 seconds after that. Uh, put Talbot back in, but then he pulled him with seven-something left again, down by, like, two goals. And ultimately, before the third period was done, they gave up two empty net goals, which, of course, comes back to bite guys statistically, because it's a minus. It's a minus. You got a minus. So, let me read to you from the Star Tribune, Sarah McClellan's uh, piece today. Let me read to you Dean Evison's quotes about that. And again, for the 7,000th time, he is hitting you upside the head with, we've changed. This is great. Quote Dean, 
Our group is great at being team first, but it's not a secret that players take stats into contracts when they're doing that. We just want to clarify that that's not how we are doing things. It's not how we do it as an organization. There was not an issue. Nobody had to come to us or anything like that. We just wanted to clarify that we're doing everything we can to try to have success. I love this stuff. Yeah. I love the quote that basically says, anyone who was here in the past, because you know who would have been in that office first, if 20 had gotten a minus, whoo boy, probably calling Craig, right? Mr. Leopold, it's Ryan here. I want to talk to you about uh, <laughs> Coach's decision. Um, God bless. Yeah, I love me some Dean Gino, man. Everson. And I love him basically saying, I didn't hear chirping, but I just want to publicly clear this up if anybody does complain. Like, I'm putting it out there publicly. I think that's just fantastic. Yeah, Dino's fan phenomenal, man. I mean, we were kind of skeptical of of him maybe being the long-term answer for head coach here, but he's been just a godsend, good, and good for him. I'm glad that he's been able to kind of rise up here and and be the coach that we've wanted from this team for a long time. He's the perfect voice for that room. He's absolutely great. Um, I've got a, a non-wild statement for you, too. Okay. It's this. In fact, fire that back up. Yeah, I'm going to. Fire gonna the this. music back up. I'm going to do this. Oh, that's right. Two. All right. Here you go. There you go. As we continue, Mackie and Judd fill off today. He will be back uh, tomorrow. All right. Next statement. Cat can do. Cat can do. (laughs) In Cleveland on Saturday. And and I am anti-skills. Yeah, you are. Skills competitions I hate. All-star games. And anti-skills in general. All-star games I hate. Less necessarily. He doesn't have much skills. Exactly right. Well, I don't have skills, and I don't like skills competitions. But that being said... Carl Anthony Towns, who, you know what, we both, I think equally on Mackie and Judd, we praise and criticize, right? Because there's some things about Cat, you know, the constant complaining, it seems like, at the officials. Um, There are some things that he does that annoy, and there are some things that he does, especially with his God-given basketball talent, that we praise, and this goes to the latter. Cat had a record-setting 29 points in the final round to win on Saturday the NBA's three-point contest. He beat out Luke Kennard and Trey Young. He was 13 to one at Caesar Sportsbook, the longest odds in the field, and he is the first big man to win the contest since Kevin Love did it as a power forward for the Wolves in 2012. This is this might be the most remarkable accomplishment. At the entire All-Star weekend. Think about this. This guy is mammoth. This guy wins the three-point contest. This guy's skill set is off the charts. And I hope at some point in time soon, I hope the, the theatrics and the antics stop. I hope that he just puts his head down and starts to play. Because I think that he unfairly draws attention to himself yeah. with the, I got fouled! I got fouled! That's not a call! That's not a... That stuff annoys me. And look, if if you get screwed every once in a while, Dex, I'm all for it. Bring it up. That's great. Argue. Yeah. Defend yourself. But we all know with Cat, it's far too constant, right? And I think that it's causing us to, unfortunately, not pay attention to what this guy does talent-wise. Like his talent, if if he takes that next step and quits the quits the consistently, 
the morning and complaining. And more importantly, just puts his head down and plays basketball. We are talking about a big man who is probably ultimately, as far as just talent goes, Dex, just pure talent, one of the most talented big men in the history of this league. Yeah, yeah. Like his skill set's off the charts. So Cat can do. And what I would like to see Cat do less of is stop doing the stuff that is causing us to pay attention to the negative because I think it will cause us to pay more attention to the positive here. And if this guy just toughens up, like, I think that if the Wolves do uh, make the playoffs and if Cat really applies himself, which means no flopping, no complaining, just plays basketball. And you know what? If you want to shove dudes, that's fine. But just plays basketball. I think nationally he's going to take a huge step. Because if he could turn the Barclays and Shacks, and I know that those guys are entertainers, and I know that they're silly and goofy. I love them personally. But if he can get those guys on his side a bit more to say, hey, you know what? Cat's changed. Like, look at this this version of Cat. Uh, I think the national perception of Cat is going to change drastically. And when you see him have the talent and skill that he occasionally shows, if he can put that on display in the playoffs, man, that would be fantastic. Um, and I just, I really think he needs to put the garbage and BS stuff aside and allow himself to showcase Carl Anthony Towns as a player. Right, and I'm, I'm with you there. I, I, I think Cat is uh, one hell of a talent and... I do think he's starting to have a little bit of, of more awareness. Uh, that's something that I like to talk about on the show, on and off the mic, is having awareness. And I, I think he's starting to, to grow and realize that. And he's been through hell. He's been through a lot of things in his life. And, and this isn't me putting him down. But uh, unfortunately, um, those cards are going to be dealt to you in life. Yeah. Like, and, and he, unfortunately, and I'm in a similar boat as him, he's had a lot of those cards been dealt to him early in his life. How do you handle that and move on with it and be better for it and not have... And, and, and this is where the perception of him, I think, is a problem where it's a pouty attitude and a woe is me attitude. And and people will always support you and have your back, and you can look on people when you need to be picked up. But you also, as a human being, need to rise up into those own situations by yourself. And it, and it's okay to ask for help. I'm sure he has found that help. But you also need to still, at the end of the day, take all that information and be better for it. Yeah. Um, and I think Cat is doing that, by the way. That that's who he is. I think he's he's striving up. And for the Wolves side, now that the All Star game is over, they're turned uh, back to play on Thursday against Memphis. There's some fun games out the gate here. They got Philly. They have Cleveland. They have Golden State. Um, three of some of the best teams in the NBA right here. They're three games over 500. I know they um, lost to Toronto right before the break with that All Star fatigue. Anthony Edwards is battling an ankle injury. But I mean, we're tired. We were too tired. Too tired. We Way were too tired. tired to win that game. But between uh, Judley, the Wild, and the Wolves here over the next two two to three months, and obviously our reckless Vikings offseason speculation. Yep. I mean, buckle in, man. It's going to be a fun next few months here. Well, and and Wild and Wolves, you have a springtime slate that is blank because we ain't playing baseball. No. So oh, like, no. A playoff run will get you. Would it would ordinarily. Uh, garner you a ton of attention now imagine if the wild can win a round and then two imagine the attention with almost certainly in my opinion no baseball being played imagine the attention there the ratings will be huge you will draw everybody so like you have opportunity wait for it knocks it's knocking wild especially but wolves you know what 
be pesky. Make the playoffs. This is your chance. This is your chance to put yourselves back on a map that I don't think you've been on for a while. Mm-hmm. If you are, because I mean, this is a fun team, exciting team. I think that they're well coached. Chris Finch has done a good job. So, like, there is a lot to like. They play in a crappy building, unfortunately, but, you know, th- that's that. That's that. So, let's get people there. But, I mean, how do you do that? You win a couple of playoff games. Cat comes out and is tough as nails. Tough as nails. No complaining. Drives to the basket. Drives into guys. Basically pushes back at times. People will say, wow, that's the new cat. Ant? Ant in the playoffs could be great fun. Oh, it could be a blast. So, like, opportunity, that's right. It's at the door. It's knocking. Um, Okay. Next statement is this, quickly. Be adults. Okay. This Juwan Howard, oh. Greg Hart thing. And I and look, 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 the soapbox thing, it, you know, I've heard everyone's opinion from Juwan Howard should be fired to Greg Gard put his hands on Juwan first to, to the assistant coach that Juwan punched. You're, you're so right here. Um, that he, that, you know, he's a victim. And I saw him actually chirp. Um, so no soapbox here other than this. Beef. Ooh. Freaking. <laughs> I didn't. No, I'm, you were close. I, no, no, no. You I were was so close. No, I was close to saying freaking. I stopped myself, and then I, I'm like, I can say that. Be freaking adults. This is such a stupid, stupid thing. Juwan Howard, yes, he's wrong. He will be suspended. Greg Gard, he's wrong too. And I don't care about, about his timeouts. I'm saying he put his hand, he got mad back, okay? Instead of be, instead of like back off and be like, okay, dude, you're mad. That's cool. Yeah. Um, he put his hand on Howard. He's wrong. The assistant coach who decided to chirp, he's wrong. Suspend them all. And here's the thing, too. Suspend the players. If players fought, suspend them, too. Mm-hmm. Suspend everybody. These are all adults. These aren't kids. College athletes, Division One are young men, but they ain't exactly grade school kids. No. Um, everybody, be adults. You look stupid. You're fighting about what? Like, there was nothing about that. Just this whole whole thing of, well, here's the take. John Howard today should be fired. He's going to get in trouble, okay? But everyone does. And I haven't heard one person on a soapbox soapbox, mention the players yet. Right. If there were players that got in there and threw punches, suspend them. Heed your sports dad advice. Yeah, this is ridiculous. It's it's absurd. And. And uh, just in general, I, I don't get too much. I don't get really enthralled in the college basketball till March Madness. I love. I, I agree. Who, with you who there. does not enjoy March Madness? I and, love it. And, and this I'm is some, we we had our Sterling listeners with us on Saturday. They said, "Dex, how do you not like college football? You don't like college well, they, football? You're wrong there. But no, I'm not. I love college football. I'm you're, not. you're out of line. I just you're I, I, don't, I don't care for it. I don't care for it. But college basketball is the best, and I love me some tourney time. The, the intensity is at, at a peak. I love that stuff, but for this kind of finger pointing, and it's this problem or it's this person's issue. Yeah, but why, it's, what, it's so what are they childish, doing? Dude. You're mad about yeah, no. t- timeout, but, but then Greg Gard, don't put your hands on. Yeah. It's Juwan Howard. Yeah, man, don't put your hands on him. I agree. It's, what are you doing? It's, it's embarrassing. It's a pretty. It was embarrassing. Suspend everybody too. That's yeah. my thing. Suspend everybody. Yeah. If 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 Wisconsin does not end up being pissed off by the results here. Of the suspensions, something's wrong. Correct. Michigan and Wisconsin should both be pissed off. 
Bleep them. Bleep both of them. Uh, all right, we got Vikings news. We, we got we got Vikings news before we wrap up here. Mackie and Judd, um, reportedly, I don't believe this has been announced yet. We're recording this at 11.51 on um, Monday morning. Wes Phillips, passing game coordinator with uh, new Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell when they were with the Los Angeles Rams, will be named the Vikings OC. Mm-hmm. And the special teams coordinator will be a 32-year-old former National Football League defensive back, according to uh, our friend Tom Pelissero. His name is Matt Daniels. He was the assistant special teams coordinator in Dallas. So um, Ed Donatel will be the D.C., Wes Phillips will be the OC, and special teams coordinator will be Matt Daniels. Keep in mind, uh, just like O'Connell had the OC title with the Rams but didn't call the plays because Sean McVay did, Kevin O'Connell will call the plays here. Wes Phillips will play an important role. And what's really intriguing now, Dex, is with the coaching staff. So O'Connell's a quarterback whisperer type, Mm -hmm. head coach. Wes Phillips. Wes Phillips is the OC, and then we're going to have a quarterback's coach as well, along with an assistant QB's coach. So there will literally be a coach for every quarterback on the roster. Like somebody can work personally with every guy. Kellen Mond, at this point in time, Kirk Cousins. I would think Sean Sean Mannion's days as a Viking are numbered, but whoever the backup is at this point, if Cousins is here, um, so the Vikings have, I think for the most part now, because if I'm not mistaken on Thursday, when they named O'Connell coach, they also put out a press release announcing what 10 assistant coaching hires, including Donatelle and Mike Petton, who's going to be assistant head coach. So I think we're now up to something like 12. So aside from a few roles here and there, I guess the next big announcements from the Vikings potentially, as far as coaching staff, um, or executive staff goes would be post draft when I'm guessing that some of the current scouts under Spielman might move on and that, um, and that Quasi will bring in his own people. So that is, that is that the coaching staff um, basically in place now, but O'Connell is going to be make no mistake. The guy who drives the offensive makeup and strategies of the Vikings. What's interesting here is um, it seems like O'Connell or uh, excuse me, Wes Phillips is in the O'Connell role that he was with the Rams. Yes, and and he's basically role. a sounding board and person to be there to help orchestrate offensive structure, game planning, et cetera. Plan. But he will not be calling the plays. And it seems like Wes Phillips in general, just it seems like the future is very bright for him here. I mean, he's he's now been at the Rams for a long time. His dad obviously was a very well-respected defensive coach, guy. Uh, defensive with guy. Wade, and yeah. his son's now kind of on the offensive side. This is good. This is a, I think this is a good stuff. And and I and kudos to to KOC as I like to call him. We're, we're tight. Um, for him to to go to the defensive side of the ball and just give it to veteran guys. Like I, I really yeah. I, and I'm not, I don't think he's. By the way, I don't think he's going to be completely removing himself from defensive decisions and game planning and structure. I think he has done at least on paper here, and this could absolutely blow up because Ed Donatel might have lost his fastball. We don't know. We really won't know until we see it on the field. But he's he has said, "Hey, I'm going to put the veteran and and people in place here that I know can handle yeah. that side of the ball. And if you need my input, great. But also, I'm not going to ignore it either." Quick story here, though. Um, so, what you just said is almost verbatim what I said in 2014 when Mike 
got the job and was a defensive guru and hired Norv. And I'm like, this is great. He fight, he he got a former head coach. He's not threatened uh, to run the offense, and he's going to turn the keys to this guy. And this is a great. This is fantastic. And uh, after 14, of course, Mike went to his good friend Hugh Jackson, who has been a miserable failure most places as a head coach himself, and said, "Hey, Hugh, teach me offense because I don't think I like what Norv is doing." And it blew up. So we shall see. We shall see. I, I can't uh, I can't give KOC proper props until I see that. But yes, on the surface, this is good. I will go back to what I have been saying, though. I'm not surprised one bit that Kevin O'Connell is going to call plays. I want to see, though, how the games run. Because calling plays for either side of the ball, as we definitely learned with Zim, is a lot. And when you have to manage replays and the clock and literally manage the game, like that's what you have to, to do. And you're also trying to call plays, which means which means you're planning for plays when your defense is out there. I'm just saying that's a lot on a person's plate. And, and the last time I checked, this is not a true statement of everyone, but the last time I checked, especially with myself, the ability of the male to multitask is not always great. Right. The ability of the male to multitask oh, no. can fall short. Judd Zolgad, you you asked Dawn, she can tell you right now. Judd can't <laughs> multitask well. So I'm just I'm just saying too, like you're gonna find out. Hopefully K- KOC master multitasker. But uh, until then, we shall see. All right, we are done. Um, Purple D- Daily, we actually recorded it last night with Phil. So we uh, we talked extensively about Kirk Cousins, what his reported and what we're hearing his contract demands are for a potential extension. And probably more importantly, what team has already come calling? Because there is a team that's come calling about Kirk Cousins. Declan, I think that's it for us. Yeah, that is it for us. Hey, by the way. Check out University of St. Thomas basketball. They're back in action against North Dakota on Tuesday afternoon. Our, our guy Corbu, Corbu Strauss does a great job calling games, man. Corbu's great. I, I, I worked. Corbu. I worked with Corbu briefly uh, with the St. Paul Saints with my buddy Sean Aronson. Corbu does a great job. Very he uh, ha- helps call those St. Thomas basketball games right here on fifteen hundred AM. So uh, go Tommies. Support uh, Tommy's basketball. You don't mean that one bit. You're saying Cloud State uh, go guy. Tommy's. You go are Tommy's. not a Go Tommy's guy. Don't, go don't Tommy's. be a fraud. Go Tommy's. Don't, don't listen a, to Judd. Don't be a fraud. Don't you're listen not to Judd. Listen to the games, but you're not sincere. Go Huskies is what you meant to Mackie say. Mackie and Judd back at full fraud. strength on Tuesday. See ya. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards.